Welcome to Strong Not Starving. My name's Marcus Kane. If you want to beat binge eating and have an awesome time over the holidays, I'm going to share with you my secret iced coffee recipe that's going to blow your fucking mind. So I've been thinking about things to share with you guys just as a celebration of the end of the year, celebration of like 2023 and moving into 2024 and just some fun stuff that might make your holiday season a bit nice and give you something to share with your friends and family. And something that came to mind is the way that I started to make iced coffees in, I think it was 2016. So if you're into coffee or a loved one is into coffee, this this is just going to be great, I promise. And I started to get really interested in, in refining the art of the iced coffee when my dad was in hospital in, in 2016. He had to have an operation. He was in hospital in Melbourne, in Australia. All of the, the rest of the family lived, you know, 90 minutes away in a neighboring city. But I was right there in Melbourne and I was in the, the final few months before I moved over to the UK. So I was kind of preparing and I'd, I'd left my job, I'd wrapped up work and I was just focusing on getting ready for the move for the UK for, for about a, a month, maybe six weeks. So I was just, you know, free from the, the gym that I had been working at. I had all the time in the world on my hands to get ready for the move to the UK. So coincidentally, I was available to, to go and see my dad every day at the hospital and, and make sure that he had some company because it was a really long way for the rest of my family to go. So I was really grateful for this opportunity to be able to support my dad, to be able to go see him and to make sure that he was okay. Now, he was not on board with being um, sat down in hospital for like two weeks. He hated it. This is a man who has been essentially on the move, constantly moving, constantly doing stuff for, you know, like over 70 years at this point. So being put in hospital, having everything kind of taken out of his control and just needing to to sit there and, and, and be in pain and be in discomfort, it just sucked for him. So I needed to do something that was going to bring some semblance of, um, I don't know, just, just some semblance of something nice into his days, right? So I thought, well, for a start, I can go visit him in the morning every day. And then because the hospital food was fucking terrible, I can bring him a really nice iced coffee in the morning every day. Now, before anyone says anything, I made sure that he was able to have caffeine and I, uh, that he was able to have coffee and everything like that. So I made sure that there was no medical issues. It wasn't his heart or anything like that that there was a problem with. So he was able to have a uh, an iced coffee every morning, just for the record. I made sure that it was a responsible thing to do. So that brought me to this whole thing of how to make the perfect iced coffee, how to make just the best iced coffee in the world. And I started doing it with stovetop espresso. So I didn't have a uh, espresso machine at home, obviously. So I got one of the stovetop espresso makers. I forget the name that you actually call them, but you see them all the time. You put the water in the bottom, then the coffee in like this middle kind of compartment, screw the top on, put it on the stovetop, and it it creates this lovely, 
very dark, very rich espresso type mixture. It's absolutely fantastic and perfect for iced coffees. And I guess it's worth mentioning at this point that one of the jobs that I had or a job that I had when I was a teenager or my first job really, like I worked in a bunch of cafes and I learned how to make coffee. Like I learned how to make coffee really well. And it became uh, an interest of mine, like getting getting the espresso just right, becoming really, really experienced and, and on point when it come when it came to making great coffee. And then um, when I moved away from my home city um, after I turned 18 and, and, and moved to Melbourne, the capital of the state that I'm from in Australia, I got a job managing a bar. So I eventually was kind of bar manager during the the lunch hours of this particular restaurant in South Melbourne. It was called the Blue Room uh, at the time. I'm not sure if it still is, but I would... The, the thing that essentially got me this job is that I went in on my first day and I, I made the manager of the restaurant a coffee and he was just like, whoa, what the hell? Because like I, I went in there, I looked at their coffee machine, I, I could see that it was dirty, I could see that, you know, they whoever was in charge of doing that at the time before I got there wasn't doing a great job. So I immediately walked in, um, kind of gave the coffee machine a bit of a rinse, and, and and cleaned all the kind of burnt shitty coffee out of the the bits where the hot water comes out. Oh my God, I, I wish I could remember the names of these parts properly. But, you know, gave the coffee machine a bit of a clean and a bit of a rinse, made a nice fresh coffee that was free of any awful burnt shit and and gave it to the manager. He was blown away. I became really popular at this place really quickly because I, you know, at any restaurant the the manager isn't really the manager the head chef is the manager right it's like this unspoken thing there's the manager but then often anyone who's worked in restaurants or whatever will know like there's the manager of the restaurant sure but the kind of unspoken deal is that the head chef is really the one who's got the the power in those situations and is kind of like pulling the strings behind the curtain so um I immediately started making coffees, like really nice coffees for the head chef of this restaurant. And very quickly, I was promoted to, okay, you're the bar manager now. So then I started making cocktails. So I was making coffee, making cocktails and making really nice beverages, really nice coffee, really nice cocktails kind of became something I was super interested in, which brings it back to this whole thing of the iced coffee. I was like, how can I how can I bring my experience of how to make a really good cocktail into making just the best iced coffee? And I started thinking about the espresso martini. Now, the espresso martini is a really simple drink, right? It's, it's only like the traditional recipe only has three ingredients. Of course, some people get cute with it and make incredible versions of it. Uh, old friend of mine, Chris, who still lives in Melbourne, he makes an incredible espresso martini by using a few different ingredients. But my, um, my preference, the one that I make personally, is the really traditional espresso martini that just uses Kahlua, vodka, and a shot of espresso all in equal parts. So it's essentially one ounce vodka, one ounce espresso, one ounce Kahlua. And although that's really simple, right, it's so easy to fuck it up because of the way that you add the ingredients 
into the cocktail shaker with the ice can determine whether or not you get like a nice rich espresso martini with like foam on top or whether you get this watery awful terrible thing that tastes like five day old filter coffee and the secret here is in making sure that the ice doesn't melt and water it down which is difficult to do when you have a hot ingredient like espresso so the first thing to take into account with this to make sure that anything that you're doing with ice here turns out to be fantastic is the size of the ice cubes i know this is going to sound mad but it fucking matters it really matters because if you've got tiny ice cubes or ice cubes that aren't very big they melt much quicker they water down the beverage much quicker and they create that awful watery experience whereas if you've got bigger ice cubes they they don't melt as quickly so they don't water down the drink this is why you see certain cocktails or certain drinks that are, sh are served in those like quite short glasses not shot glasses but like uh, shorter glasses with like a big spherical or big like giant cube or giant sphere of ice in there that whole thing is about not watering down the drink so take the same thing into account when it comes to either the espresso martini or this iced coffee recipe that i promise i'll get back to so when it comes to the espresso martini it's about adding the espresso the vodka and the kalua into the cocktail shaker and if possible, making sure that the espresso is pre-chilled, that's going to just help a lot. But if that's not an option and you're making this with like fresh espresso or a shot of fresh stovetop coffee, it's super important to add the espresso, the Kahlua and the vodka into the cocktail shaker rather than filling the cocktail shaker with ice and pouring the hot espresso in there that's going to immediately start watering the beverage down. And of course, I'm sure there is some master cocktail maker somewhere that does it the complete opposite and somehow manages to make it work. But just, you know, for the record, this is just how I've done it and how I kind of continue to do it in a way that produces pretty consistent and foolproof results. So whatever you do, don't fill the cocktail shaker with ice and then pour hot espresso over the top. It's going to result in this awful wateriness. And this was a really important thing that I started to remember when making the iced coffee for my dad in hospital. Because for the espresso martini, it would be the vodka, the Kahlua, the coffee, preferably with chilled espresso. But if you can't do that, then it's not the worst thing in the world. Into the cocktail shaker, followed by a big portion of very big ice cubes so big ice cubes that aren't going to melt quickly and then the trick is to start shaking it very quickly you want to cool it down as fast as possible so that the ice stops melting or at very least slows down in its process of melting then after you've shaken it to the point where the cocktail shaker feels so cold that it almost hurts your hands pour it out through here's an important one again through a strainer make sure you pour it out through a strainer so that there's no kind of like chunky ice crystals in in the in the top of the martini in in the top of the espresso martini so that was kind of like the 
very kind of crash course in espresso martini there, which I then took into the iced coffee that I was making for my for my dad. So this was like, all right, keeping those principles in mind, how can I apply this to making the best iced coffee in the world? Now, I knew that dad liked a couple of sugars in his coffee. So this particular point, you can either choose to add sugar or not, depending on your audience, depending on their preferences. But to melt the sugar or to make sure that the sugar was uh, absorbed into the drink and not just, you know, crystals of sugar floating around in a drink because that fucking sucks when that happens. No one enjoys that. Add the sugar and the hot espresso together in a cocktail shaker and start mixing it around. So at that point, you make sure that all the sugar is mixed in to your espresso shots. Now, I was using 60 ml of espresso, so two ounces of espresso, two shots for my dad's iced coffee. But again, it depends on your audience. It depends on the preference, how strong you like it. A double shot is fairly standard in like a large milky coffee beverage. But if you like it a bit weaker or a bit more subtle, a single shot is just fine. So when I was at home, before going to the hospital um, in the morning to visit dad, I would make the espresso on the stovetop, add 60 ml to the cocktail shaker, put a couple of sugars in there and stir it up super well. Now from there, I would add milk. Now this is again to make this whole contraption um as room temperature as possible before adding the ice again in the name of it not becoming a watery shitstorm. So espresso sugar, um, about 150, 200 mil of, of milk. But again, this is going to come down to the size of the, the drink you want to make and your audience and strength and all that kind of preferences. But this is about how much I would put in. I would put approximately 150 to 250 mil of milk. And the thing that would make it really nice is that at this point, I would add cream. I would add like a, a, a reasonably thick, like pouring cream to this. Now, I know that cream is different in different countries. Like uh, in Australia and the UK, it's like, you know, single cream, double cream, all that kind of stuff. I know in the United States, you get like there's normal cream and then there's like half and half and then there's all these other variables. And then I know that my wife tells me, over in Poland, in, in like Europe, it's a different thing again. So as, as best I can describe the kind of cream that I would use, it's like a, just like a, a pouring cream. It was like thick, but not thick enough to need to scoop it in there with a spoon. You get it? And there'd be maybe um, 50, 100 mil of cream. I don't remember exactly how much. So all these different measures play with over time and find what works for you but then after there was the sugar mixed into the espresso followed by the milk followed by the cream then I would add a handful or two of those really big ice cubes and shake the iced coffee in a cocktail shaker as if it were a cocktail at that point I'd then pour it into a like a, a, a portable thermosy type thing to keep it really cool and leg it to the hospital as quickly as I could to take it to dad. And those moments, being able to do that for him and, and be there for him in that way and, and take him a nice drink in the morning, I, I can't really overstate how important that was and how significant that felt and how much it meant to him at the time. And I suppose as I'm saying this, aside from just sharing a love of making really nice 
coffee and, and cocktails. This is kind of about the power and significance of shared experiences around food. So as you go into the holiday season and as you go into 2024, any decisions that you're making around food, do your best to keep this in mind, that food is so much more. And these shared experiences are so much more. They mean so much more. They're so much more important than whether or not you are, you know, beach body ready or you you know, any of that crap. Because, you know, inevitably, we're going to start seeing, you know, the moment the holiday season is done, uh, the moment there is even a sniff of spring, we're going to see all that summer is coming bullshit. So just remember, as you're going through the holidays, as you're going through 2024, just remember how important food is. Food is often something that connects us with the people that we love. And that doesn't mean that if you've had enough and you don't want to eat anymore and someone's trying to force feed you, you have to say yes. That's not what I'm saying at all. Remember, this is the caveat here. It's You can say yes to someone offering you food or you can say no. But just remember, if you're going to say no, make sure you're saying no for the right reasons. If you've genuinely had enough and your hunger cues and fullness cues are telling you, look, I'm, I'm done and I would feel really like unpleasant if, if this kept going and if I kept drinking or keep, kept eating and, you know, I don't, don't want to feel unpleasant. I've really had enough. Sure. 100% say no or say no. Thank you. You know, no, thank you, grandma. I love you so much. Um, but I couldn't eat another thing. But if you're saying no out of guilt, out of shame, out of fear, if you're making every food choice from the perspective of, oh my God, I'm going to have to burn this off tomorrow or fuck it, I'm going to have to fix this in January, cut yourself a break, really. And in saying that, again, I know it's not quite as simple as that. I know this is a complex set of feelings that we often deal with with food. But do your best to keep this in mind that if you're going to say no when someone offers you something, make sure you're saying no for the right reasons. And if getting fit and healthy and everything like that or improving your health or improving your relationship with exercise, you know, improving your consistency with exercise and, you know, food choices that make you feel good while also being healthy, you know, if that's something that's on your mind, I've got something for you, um, a new resource coming in January. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But just know that, you know, if that's what you're looking for, I've got something for you. It's totally cool. You don't need to worry about, oh, what am I going to do in January or, or anything? Like, what health things am I going to do? Like, I'm going to sort that out. It'll be very similar to the course that I released in November in the sense that it'll cost less than one night of overnight parking in London. Like, it'll cost about 20 quid. Uh, it'll provide everything you need and nothing you don't need as far as the essential points of exercise and great food choices without going down that rabbit hole of really fucked up, like intense restrictive dieting or something that's going to cause you a lot of stress. So keep an eye out for that. I really hope you enjoyed this kind of surprise bonus episode. Literally, I just thought I'd like to share my iced coffee recipe with you guys. 
um, and just li- literally sat down on the couch in my office and recorded this into my phone. So I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you can, you know, enjoy an iced coffee yourself or make one for someone that you love over the holidays and just, you know, hope you get some time off. And I've definitely got a couple more episodes that'll be released over the kind of holiday break between Christmas and and New Year. One's coming out on Boxing Day and the other one is coming out just after New Year's. So there'll be at least a couple of episodes there for you over that period of time. But anyway, um, from the couch in my office, thanks for joining me for this one. My name is Marcus Kane. This was Strong Not Starving. I'll be back again soon.